Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I am the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. So I went with Jen. Mm -hmm. We went and got breakfast at Syrup. Syrup. Which is one of those, you know, cooler, trendier kind of breakfast joints. Hipster hipster breakfast. Yeah. Hipster brunch. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Had a good time there. You went for brunch. Yeah, no, I went for breakfast. Uh, yeah. You technically went for brunch. No, yeah, what makes it brunch? Uh, one, it's a brunch cafe. Two, what time did you go? Uh, let me see here. I can look it up because I, I sent that tweet out about it. And uh, that uh, that seems to, you know, everybody seems to, not everybody. It got, it got some, some pushback. But uh, yeah, so uh, I put that up. Oh, it's not going to tell me the time. Oh yeah, nine forty-six a.m. That's brunch. brunch. Nine brunch. Ten brunch starts at ten. Brunch, brunch. starts at brunch. That no, makes no all sense. All it shows is that you're old and you went earlier to brunch. And that was that was at the it's end. It's like it's like when people go. That's not brunch. You're totally it's wrong. It's like here. senior citizens when they go Mm-mm. for dinner at four thirty. Okay. For the special. I I totally disagree. I I totally agree. Okay. Well then, uh, let's look it up. We'll, we'll, uh, brunch is a combination of breakfast and lunch, which I didn't do, and regularly has some form of alcoholic drink, which I didn't did, have. Do, did, yeah. did, did not uh, have. Was it at the table? And uh, Was there a mimosa at no, the table? Was, no, there was not. Uh, it is usually served anytime before 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So it has to it has to be before 2. Before 2? But, huh. it's, but it's not. And nope. brunch. Nope. It was brunch. You are so wrong. <laughs> so what I, what I did was um, I... I, I they have fried potatoes. I wanted hash browns, and I was like, "It says crispy fried potatoes. Is that hash browns like shredded, or is that like chopped squared potatoes?" And she goes, "It's chopped squared potatoes." And I was like, nah, "It's fine. not the same. And it's I, not it, the it's, same. It's still good. It's not that I don't uh, like it, but it's not I, the same. I but I what I what I want, and what I wanted to explain to her was that like people want hash browns. You should at least have hash browns, and then you could have this as well. Well, why don't you just go to a diner? Because every dinner does have it, I know. Because we wanted to try syrup, and it was very good. But uh, yeah, I don't know. So I I, I said something on Twitter about like, uh, hey, breakfast joints. No one prefers your chopped up potatoes to hash browns, and uh, to shredded potato hash browns. You you know. Yeah, real hash browns. Real hash browns. Yeah, yeah. And then a lot of people were pushing back, and they were saying like. you know, well, you know, the, if you, I'd rather have those in bad hash browns. I'm not talking about bad hash browns. And by the way, syrup describes itself as an upscale modern farmhouse meets meat. <laughs> so hipster. Syrup is an upscale mm-hmm. modern mm-hmm. farmhouse meets luxe breakfast and lunch mm-hmm. destination. Breakfast and lunch. Brunch. No, that's not the same. Brunch. You're wrong. Brunch. I've proved you wrong. They, they don't even. Yeah, they don't say brunch. Oh, because they don't say it. They don't say hipster either. The, the, but do, does any place that serves breakfast and lunch. Is it a brunch place? You said it was syrup. Is brunch? It's, it is brunch. It's not. It is. It's brunch. not marketed as brunch at all. It's brunch. Mm-mm. It's brunch. I'm right. You you're can keep wrong. saying it, but you're wrong, and everybody knows you're wrong, and they're no with one. Me. No, no one agrees. With everybody you. agrees. With the only thing nobody I, cares I, listen, about this. I, I agree with you that the shredded thing is yeah. gross, yeah. or not. The, 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 I did the not thing is not the same. Yeah. How does how does me having breakfast at nine a.m. constitute brunch? Nine forty-five. How does that constitute brunch? Because it's before two. 
Okay, so anybody that eats breakfast at 8 a.m. is brunch because it's no, no, that's no, 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 no. There's a difference. Though. Oh, that's really? Closer. Uh, that's closer to what? To seven. Closer to seven. You're so you're seven. so wrong. <laughs> so Can we just talk about the Baptist Catechism? Sure, fine. Okay. Why don't you? You know, I mean, here you are, just trying to justify how wrong you are. No. Now again, I agree with your tweet. Yeah, it's fine. I, I disagree with your square cut pizza thing. You disagree now, with that? I disagree. I still pizza. No, I didn't say it's not pizza. It's just terrible. How is it terrible? It doesn't taste you don't get crust. It does taste. You don't have crust. Sometimes I don't want crust. Then you don't want pizza. So, sometimes I don't want crust. Yeah. If you don't want crust, you don't want pizza. You want something else. What? What? what you is, are a mess of a human being. If you're you, a mess of a human being. Nobody wants pizza. They, you know what? You know who wants pizza without the crust? Five year olds. Uh, you know who else? Napoleons. Yeah. People and, from and Italy. Was, and, yeah. And, people. You know, no, I'm, too, I'm <laughs> oh. talking about from Napoli. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm talking, okay. <laughs> okay. I know what you got there. Yeah. Wrong. Okay. Right. Wrong or wrong, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. He was short too. But it was, yeah. They come with the big. It's big. Do you nice mean Neapolitans? Neapolitans. You could call. No, 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 no. That's wrong. That's not how you pronounce it. Wow. You could pronounce <sighs> it Napoleon. They're called the people that are called Napoleons? Na Napoli. Yeah. Napoleon. Are they called Napoleons? They're yeah, not called that's Napoleon. That's how I'm pronouncing okay, it Okay, so all right, I just that's wanted to make I'm sure. So we're both wrong. Okay, okay, fine. You might be more right, but nonetheless. <laughs> Anyways, a lot of it is without crust. So are no, they it, wrong? They have crust. The birth, just the outside. Yeah, that's where you have crust on the outside. Okay, same thing with square cut pizza. No, you, you, every piece, every piece there in Napoli or whatever, triangle. No. They all cut, pie cut. No, they don't. Yeah. They don't pie cut it. They that's the only way they do it. They don't. It's it's an Italian law. They're, you're not even legally allowed to square don't cut even, pizza in don't Italy. Even lie. They <laughs> don't. They don't cut it. They don't cut it. Then every then it's served uncut. Yeah, that's right. And you sit there and you eat and you get it from the inside out. You, you can't get it from the inside. Yes, out. Yes, you do. Because it's with everybody, a fork and knife. I think I know a little bit more about Italy than you do, Jimmy. Okay. Um, uh, you. Yeah. All right. All right. You shut your mouth. Okay. You don't you know. Your you're mouth. such a poser. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of us is posing really hard mm -hmm. right now. Uh, all right. Baptist Catechism question 39. All right. Here we go. I'll read it. What are the benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification? The benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification are assurance of God's love, peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Spirit, increase of grace, and perseverance therein to the end. Mm. That's good. That's really good. I like it because it it's pushing this this point, right? That justification, amazing. Adoption, beautiful. Sanctification, necessary. Necessary, thrilling. But that's not all we receive. We we receive much more than that, right? The, mm. the, the benefits that accompany or flow from those things. So those things are super important. Uh, you lose the doctrine of justification, you, you lose the gospel. Um, if you don't understand adoption, you're missing out on a huge part of what it means to be a believer, right? But And of course, sanctification. But there are, there are graces that flow out of that that uh, not everybody pays as much attention to. And so I'm yeah. so glad that the catechism... Uh, does it's pushing on these things so there are really five graces that are mentioned here right jimmy correct so we're going to start uh, first with the assurance of god's love and looking at first john 4 13 and 16 by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world whoever confesses that jesus is the son of god god abides in him and he in god so we have come to know him 
and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Now, why is it that we don't think about this, right? Like, that's such a beautiful, you know, picture. That's a beautiful statement, a beautiful truth that we have God's love, like, why is it that we we falter in that? Why is it that we we lack faith in that? Why is it that we yeah. oftentimes struggle with does God love me? I mean, even on tomorrow's episode, right, a banter of truth, uh, Daniel Rich is on, and he he talks about like growing up, even thinking like, how is it that God loves me when He didn't even give me arms? Right, and because that's and Daniel talks about this, right? We 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 struggle with judging the world and others and our circumstances through the lens of the the philosophies or ideologies of the world. Hmm. And so like you know, what if to do to withhold something good from somebody that they need, well that's a that's a bad thing. That can be a harsh thing. And so well if God withheld arms from me, uh he must have a problem with me. He must not love me. He seems to, you know, love some people more than others based on their experience. Even the psalmist in Psalm 73 struggles with this, right? Oh, I know God's good to Israel, but yeah. Israel's having a real hard time right now, and the wicked seem to be having a, a pretty good <laughs> They're time. They're prospering. And so I, I, think, I think we tend to lose sight of God's love. Uh, maybe we take it for granted at first. And then we don't dwell on it much. We The gospel isn't as rich to us. Maybe we begin to suffer or we are discouraged in our experience. And maybe we begin to to doubt. But I think the, the important thing, because there, maybe there are a million reasons why we, we drift from an assurance of God's love. But that's why we need these passages and, mm. and we need the exhortation. Like it's all, all of this is assurance, right? By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So how, I mean, how do I even know that I'm a believer? Well, it's his spirit that has persuaded me and, and convicted me and convinced me. And so now we testify, right? We confess that Jesus is the son of God. And so now we've come to know and believe that God actually loves us. Like So it's only by the ministry of the spirit as we trust in Christ, that we have this assurance of God's love, which we desperately need. Because if we know, if we believe that God loves us now in the midst of whatever we're going through, it reframes how we look at and interact with whatever we're going through. Yeah. Right. Like, so like the assurance issue, like people get all tied up in the assurance issue. And when I have people say like, well, man, I'm struggling with assurance right now. And I'm not really sure that you know, that I, I have a saving interest in Christ, or right? They, they would say it like, I'm just not sure if I have real faith. Um, if somebody is wrestling with assurance, there, there are a couple of options, right? One, they are a Christian, they are a believer, and they're just struggling with assurance. And the other option is, is they're not a believer, mm. okay? So, but if I'm talking to somebody whom I think is a believer, and then they're struggling with assurance, I want to know, well, what's going on? Because if you are pursuing sin and you're not repenting and you're going deep in it, you're, yeah, you're probably going to lose assurance because you're not abiding in Christ by faith. Um, but sometimes we, it's not so much that, and so repentance is, is a big part of the key for a lot of people. But but others, it's not even that they're indulging in sin as much. They're uh, actively, it's that their their faith has grown weak. Maybe they are distracted and they are beginning to judge the veracity of their faith mm. on the their ability to keep the law. And that that's going to be a, an endless circle of guilt. Whereas 
our guilt should drive us to Christ. Christ shows us grace and that grace alleviates our conscience, which we'll talk about next. Mm -hmm. um, and we get that sense of assurance. But the assurance of God's love comes from God through Christ. You distance yourself from Christ yeah. and the gospel, you're not going to have an assurance of God's love. And what I love here, Joe, and you're alluding to this, uh, you're about to talk about it, but like as I'm looking through these uh, these five things, right? These five that, you know, um, that flow from mm -hmm. justification, adoption, and sanctification, uh, they, to me, it looks like they build upon each other, right? Like <laughs> yeah, totally. when you have that assurance of God's love and you trust in them, that's the bedrock uh, of your relationship uh, with God. And you know, like that love is not going to change and you're abiding in him and he's mm -hmm. abiding in you. Then you do have, secondly, this peace of conscience, <sighs> Romans 5, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope, in, in hope of the glory of God. So when we have, when we, when we trust that we have this assurance of God's love, we have this peace of conscience knowing that we have been justified by faith and we have been reconciled with our God. We're no longer, uh, there is no enmity. We're not enemies with mm -hmm. our God, but right. that we are, uh, uh, children right we have been brought near where we can cry out abba father and so we can we can have that peace because of the assurance we have of god's love it's like the the war or the conflict or the hostility in our own hearts and minds is fundamentally what god takes away from us right when we're converted it's one of these it's it's the, the peace of conscience is a grace that flows out of justification. It is, oh, I've been forgiven. I've been credited as righteousness. I have peace with God. And now my mind and my heart can rest. Mm. You know, I'm not in turmoil over my sins. I'm not, uh, I'm not, wh what's the word, despairing in the midst of my sins. Um, and so like, because we've all done things. I know I think about my past or <laughs> I think about my present. Like I've, I've committed, I commit these sins and they are hurtful or harmful or uh, dis obviously dishonoring to God. And without the gospel, without the grace that comes through Christ, I would be constantly frustrated and mm -hmm. discouraged and depressed. But Jesus lifts our heads um, and we can lift our heads and look at our father and we can draw near because we know that that peace has been established. So, you know, people talk about justification as this forensic thing, right? It, it is a declaration. You are forgiven. So you're clean and you are righteous through Jesus Christ. But there is a feeling, right, that we get of this. There's an, there's an objective peace. I have peace with God. But the peace of conscience is I can rest now as I draw near without the fear of judgment. Mm. And then it gets into the joy of the Holy Spirit or joy in the Holy Spirit. Um, we're not allowed to, as Baptists, we're not allowed to have this because it's- We're not allowed to have this joy. Well, maybe some joy, but joy, not the Holy joy, Spirit joy. joy. Down, deep down, deep down. down in my heart. Shove that thing deep down Yeah, in my don't heart. let it out. Don't never come out. No, no, no. <laughs> that, that little light of mine Suppressed. better not shine. <laughs> I don't want that. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. What? I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart? No, you're supposed to go say where, and I go say down, where? In my, down in my heart. I got the joy. And then if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Ouch, sit on attack. That's a little kid's thing. Oh my goodness. I have never heard that. Yeah. I used to do 
children's ministry in the Robert Taylor homes on the south side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. It was a rough area. And we would drive this bus around and pick up all these kids after school and take them to this after school thing where we would sing songs, do Bible lessons. And uh, yeah, that was one of the songs we would sing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, did, I, I liked the ministry. <laughs> Didn't I, like the music? I'm a big fan of the music. It was a little, <laughs> all right, join the Holy Spirit. Right, join, First Peter chapter one, verses eight through nine. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Speaking of Jesus, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The joy that the Christian has is a kind of happiness. I know a lot of people like to pit happiness against joy as if happiness is derived from the world and joy is derived from the Lord. But I mean, you could make that sort of qualification and talk about it in that way. But joy is a kind of happiness that is rooted in God. Mm -hmm. And it is both a sense of contentment but also a sense of delight. It's not just contentment. It is delight. It is rejoicing. It is expressive. It is so ex- It is so big that um, we have a, a hard time expressing it, right? How do we explain this to people? But what it fundamentally is, is a an, an adoration, uh, an excitement, uh, uh, this, this spiritual form of happiness that is rooted in God's love for us, the peace of conscience that we have, so that even when our world is falling apart and we have to suffer under the the oppressive scourge of life draining mask wearing or whatever it is i'm okay i'm kidding about the mask wearing thing i'm just trying to hype some people up uh, but but you know when you when you do suffer you can you still maintain joy you may you may not rejoice that your circumstances are bad in and of yeah. themselves yeah, yeah, yeah. but that God's love for me is going to be manifested and will support me in this circumstance. So I can rejoice in my circumstances, uh, in my afflictions, and not lose my joy because it's not rooted in my circumstances. So the world can't take it away because the yeah. world didn't give it. See, I love that because it only comes comes from him. Yeah. As well as this increase of grace, right? Second Peter 3, 17 and 18. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people Mm -hmm. and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So there, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So to continue to, to, to develop, to continue to press in, it's not one and done. But this increase of grace, knowing that as as you uh, as you are assured of God's love, as you have this peace of conscience, as you you know revel in the joy of the Holy Spirit, you begin to see more and more your sin yep. and and the tragedy of your sin, and yet have this assurance of this grace, knowing that as you have sinned, you still know that you are forgiven uh, by this gracious God who uh, gave of Himself for your salvation. It's so it's such good news that I think simultaneously convicts some and encourages others. Like that that statement there um, in 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 second in second Peter, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All right, so that's a command. Grow, grow, grow. Do this thing. This is what I, you need to experience. This. So it is a it is a command for us to grow. So that means number one, you. Uh, you can do it. You can grow. You can become mature. You can become more spiritually minded. You can, mm-hmm. you can it, it become more like Christ. So you can grow, but it also means you need to grow. So I think that 
that is convicting for people who think that they've arrived, right? Like, okay, I, I still need to grow. I will, there will never be a day when I don't need to repent of my sins and trust in Christ and be conformed to his image more and more, especially internally. But for those who are convicted and feeling like, oh, like I've just screwed up so bad, uh, you can grow. Mm-hmm, like you don't have mm-hmm. to be defeatist and and give up. So the increase of grace is, is it's it's God, like this this whole part of this this verse here, Second Peter. This is God letting us know, I'm not done with you. I haven't just forgiven you and then told you to sit still till I send my son. Again. I didn't just forgive and forget. Right. Gee, he doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. In the best possible way, right? He forgives our sins, but he draws near to us to walk us through affliction, temptation, so that we can actually grow. Hmm. And then there is perseverance therein to the end. The, the, the promise of perseverance is, well, it gets a little tricky for some people because we've all known uh, members of churches, people who appear to be lovers of Christ and good mm-hmm. evangelists walk away from the faith altogether. Well, they didn't appear persevere to the end. So how does perseverance work in their case? It doesn't seem to. Or we've known people that have backslidden to such a bad degree that you would never even think of them as a Christian anymore, only to have them repent and then return to the church. So what do we what do we mean by, by perseverance? And we've done whole episodes on this in the past, but in short, we would say that that it is a preservation of the saint, that God preserves us not in a state of perfection, but he preserves our faith so that we do continue, uh, like in Philippians 1.6, uh, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at mm-hmm. the day of Jesus Christ. Now, this applies to a lot of things, but one of the things it really applies to is that saving work that that God has accomplished in us. So that that principle of life that he puts in us, right? We become partakers of the divine nature. The, we are born again, and we receive this gift of faith. Uh, that will continue, though it may fluctuate. It can be weak. It can be strong. Um, we can grow, and if we can grow, we can sort of shrink back. But it is that God will preserve us in our faith to the end, even though we will backslide and at times fall into serious, even heinous sins. Um this is an encouragement so that, well, I, I know that I will persevere to the end, not because I'm a strong Christian, but because he's a strong God. Like that's, that's my encouragement. And I think some people look at this and they say, like, well, how am I, I mean, how am I ever going to know that I'm going to persevere to the end? What if I fall away? Well, the question is, well, do you believe? If you believe the gospel, if you mm-hmm, trust Christ, mm-hmm. well, that's, that in and of itself is the good work that God began in you. That's going to continue though you will stumble and fall and face plant pretty hard sometimes. Uh, Like Jimmy said, he hasn't forgiven you and then forgotten you. He's forgiven you and now walks with you and empowers you to actually persevere to the end. It's why when we fall into sin, we repent and return. It's why Mm. times of backsliding are just that, times of backsliding that we, by the grace of God, walk away from, we turn back from. We just did a whole episode on that for banter of truth. Mm Mm-hmm. So these are the, the, the five graces that flow out of our justification, our adoption, and our sanctification. And we would do well to meditate on them, uh, to cultivate in a sense of assurance of God's love uh, through the Holy Spirit and faith in Christ, that we would have a peace of conscience that gives us great joy in the Holy Spirit, that we would have an increase of grace and grow in that as we become more and more like Jesus, and that we would actually in our striving to do what is right, in our pursuit of Christ, in our growing in grace, 
We should be encouraged and have confidence. I'll make it to the end, not because I am strong or gifted or talented, but because God is present and he's active and he's involved in our lives. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can follow us online on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head to the website, DrFotion.com. They can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast or go to the store, JoeFoStore.com and grab some gear. Fresh pot every Monday and Thursday. We got blog posts and video content. Uh, we've also got that all access exclusive content. So head on over to DrFotion.com slash all access. Later. Later.